Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi, everyone, and welcome along to Humanly. So this is our first video podcast that I've uh, done on the channel. The previous work that we've been doing has all been podcasts, and I wanted to start moving in the direction of doing video casts. And the first cab off the rank are two really amazing guests. We have... Um, uh, Sorry, I was going to call you um, David Lester, but that's not uh, that's not correct. It's um, David Parker and Dawn Lester, yeah. <laughs> David Parker and Dawn Lester, um, and David and Dawn have done some amazing work. They've published a book called "What Really Makes You Ill," and it's a fantastic book. It goes into so many important aspects of health and the reasons why we are where we are today with our health system. So there are many good things about our health system, but many not so good things and many failings of our health system. And the book that you've written, I think is a must read, not only for practitioners, but patients and and just people who are generally interested in health. So David and Dawn, welcome along. I really appreciate you coming here today. Well, thank you for inviting us, Danny. It's, yep. it's good to be here with you. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to having a chat. And uh, we have one or two friends in uh, Australia. So, uh, um, yeah. And I, I know that uh, from what we hear in the UK, as much as we can believe that comes out of the media, that uh, there's certain areas that are quite difficult, shall we say, some difficult times in Australia. Different, uh, I, I guess, different states, you call them. Different areas certainly have different rules. Uh, from what we know, some areas are more locked down, shall we say, than others. So uh, we we wish you well with that. I mean, we have our own problems here with the, with the corruption of governments um, and the ridiculous measures they're taking, uh, none of which are based on science. So we may get into talking about that uh, at some stage in this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. There is uh, a lockdown that's just occurred in one of the states here in Victoria. And they're in there for five days, I believe. So we'll just wait and see what happens. I think they're coming out of the lockdown on Wednesday. So fingers crossed that all goes to plan because I know many people are becoming very depressed and they're really affected by the measures that are being undertaken to uh, protect them all in the name of safety and and health. Um, So yeah, I would like to get around to to speaking about some of these topics today. But first and foremost, for the people that are listening who aren't familiar with your work, would you just like to introduce yourselves and um, your book, What Really Makes You Ill? It's a fascinating read. And as I mentioned, I encourage everyone to go and purchase it. I've got a, a Kindle copy. I don't have the hard copy, but the um, Kindle copy is the same information I, I would gather. So yeah, yes, really interested to hear um, sort of why you decided to, to write that book and what your journey was to uh, get to that point okay uh yes well um as you say we uh we should just say to start with because we do get asked this sometimes because we don't come from medical backgrounds uh my background is in electrical engineering and uh, dawn's is uh, in accountancy so they're both the technical backgrounds that we have and uh we found as we we often say they set us in good stead for general research of anything, any topic really. And uh, because we're used to writing, uh, we'd written another couple of books before this one, although we used to write under our pen name NOR, uh, which stands for the nature of reality, because the very first book we wrote was about the nature of reality. So it was a more science-based, physics-based book. Uh, You can still get it on Amazon for anyone that's interested. It's again, quite challenging. Um, But it was while we were writing that, very first book that uh, we needed to write something about health because obviously that's part of the the, the reality that we all live in and we needed to write about a section about viruses and at that time and when we're going back now 13 years or more probably even longer than that 
Um, we believe the same as everyone else. We believe that uh, uh, illness is caused by germs of one sort or another, either bacteria or viruses, and that um, uh, uh, the medical establishment was uh, based on science. Uh, it's all provable. Um, and we, you know, we believe that vaccinations were good for you and that they prevented you from getting certain illnesses. And uh, as we progressed, we found that none of those things were true, <laughs> which was a big shock, you know, that uh, the medical establishment is not based on science, it's based on dogma and entrenched ideas and vested interests, um, that vaccinations are not safe and effective, and that diseases that we thought were caused by germs were not caused by germs at all. There was much more plausible reasons for them. And all of these things are hate sad, we explain in the book. But uh, um, I just wanted to say that it was as big a shock to us as anyone else who will read our book. It was as big a shock to us to realise that everything we'd been taught from school and onwards was not true uh, about health. So it was a very deep dive, and that's why it took 10 years of research. And there's also in the book, uh, although there's 800 pages of explanations, there's also uh, 40 pages of citations so that we cite all the documents, uh, the technical documents and other scientists and doctors uh, whose work we've looked at over the years. So they're all in there as well. So people can follow up if they wish. Um, so really, it, that's sort of the very first start when we were writing that book. But at the same time, again, for people that don't know, I'd had some personal tragedies in my life with um, a number, six, in fact, uh, close friends and relatives who'd had various cancers diagnosed over the years. <clears throat> And uh, all of whom uh, took, because I'd, we didn't know what we know now, uh, all of our relatives took the normal medical establishments treatments, you know, whether it was chemotherapy or radiotherapy or whatever. And they all died, all of them, they all died. Um, and I, But I had another relative, an elderly lady, who refused to have anything to do with the medical establishment. She was diagnosed with cancer, lived in the same geographical area, so everything was pretty much the same. Uh, but she wouldn't have anything to do with the medical establishment. And I'm happy to say she lived and uh, lived a normal life. Uh, the medical establishment did monitor over the period of the next year or two and were able to tell her that her cancer had completely disappeared and uh, she <laughs> lived a nice, healthy life. So that was another wake-up call for me in particular to realise there was something very wrong with the uh, paradigm that I'd been brought up to believe and uh, certainly the treatments that the medical establishment were doing for cancer, which they said they were having greater success rates and it sort of have a had a 50% success rate with treating cancer. And I thought, well, my experience has been 100% failure rate. So, you know, this made me angry as well as it being a tragedy. Um, <clears throat> so again, that was, these were the things that came together to realise there was something very wrong with everything we'd been told about the medical establishment. And that started, that started our journey. Uh, and of course, the more we looked, the deeper the hole got and the bigger the tin of worms. And uh, 10 years later, <laughs> we we got the book together. Uh, people have often said to us, oh, because it was released in Christmas uh, 2019, just before this uh, nonsense, <laughs> choose my words carefully, before this nonsense was released onto the world. Um, and people say, oh, it's very fortuitous, your book to come out at such an important time. And, yeah. and we said, well, yes, it is, but it's not a coincidence, obviously. We knew nothing about coronavirus as such. No one knew anything about it. Mm. Um, but of course, it doesn't invalidate anything in the book because we investigate germs and viruses. Um, and we were able to find out that there's no scientific evidence that either bacteria or viruses uh, are the cause of disease. None at all, which was a great shock. And we looked for all the scientific papers um, and they're not there. And we found that other doctors and scientists had also looked for the scientific papers to prove that germs were the cause of these various diseases. And they couldn't find them either. You know, some luminaries like uh, Carrie Mullis, who's often talked about now, fortunately, is no longer with us. Um, but people may know him as the uh, inventor of the PCR test, which has been used a lot and talked about a lot over this uh, coronavirus period. Uh, but he'd always said, this is not what that test is designed for. It's not a diagnostic test. 
Mm. You know, it's a it's a basically an amplification test. It's to well, not a test, an amplification measure for amplifying very small amounts of genetic material so that you uh, you can work with it in the laboratory. It's it's not for testing whether you've got this disease or that disease. And he said this many times right back in the days of HIV AIDS. Uh, he was uh, like us. We investigated that and found that, again, everything the medical establishment had been telling us was uh, completely wrong. And there was much more plausible reasons uh, for why people were getting ill. Again, we can talk about this. We do explain it in our book. So it was all of these things that uh, came to our attention as we started to look. And we realized just how wrong everything we'd been told was. So that's really how it all started and uh, and how we realized because things were so wrong, what we'd been told, we had to be very careful and dive very deep and examine uh, the details very closely as to what was really happening. And that's why Dawn and I's backgrounds were uh, very useful because we had no sacred cows. Uh, we had we weren't employed by any medical uh, practice or hospital. Uh, so it, we could ask any questions we liked. Um, and uh, and we did. And we didn't care how stupid people might think the questions were. We kept digging until we got sensible answers. And uh, as I say, because we're used to research like that, I mean, both our disciplines are very exacting. You have to be very careful, you know, certainly with, in mine, electrical engineering, if you get things wrong, either stuff blows up or you can electrocute people. So the consequences can be quite dire if you get it wrong. And obviously with Dawn's, of course, you know, you've got to make sure the company books are exactly right. Uh, numbers are very unforgiving if you get them wrong. So we're used to uh, paying great attention to detail. So it stood us in good stead. And um, uh, hence the, the, the product that we came up with. So that was fairly a bit long-winded on my part, but that was that's how we got started uh, and how we came to write the book we did. That's a, a great background and introduction as to why and, and how you've written that book. Um, and I guess where I'd like to start off is how you even thought about talking around some of the topics that you have covered in that textbook or that book. Was it that you had a, a preconceived idea about what you think does make you sick or, and what makes you ill? Or was it just, let's just have a, a look. Let's just open up the, the can of worms here and wherever it takes us, it, it takes us. Yeah. Well, we, we thought we'd just ask the most basic question, mm. which was, well, what really makes you ill? Yeah. Uh, hence the main title of the book. We, so we did had no preconceptions because as we started to look at things, we thought all the things that we thought made you ill, we were finding out didn't make you ill. So we thought, well, let's ask the most basic question and go from there. So hence the, the main title of the book, what really makes you ill? Question mark. And then the subtitle is why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong, because this is exactly what happened to us. Uh, everything we thought we knew about disease was proved to be wrong. Um, so we thought, well, that'll be a good title for the book. Challenging, we we know, but uh, uh, that that was an honest, our honest experience, um, and we left no stone unturned. Um, and we decided, in asking that question, what really makes you ill? Well, let's go back to square one and let's start with the germ theory. You know, uh, and uh, most people, and that included us to start with, you you forget that it's called the germ theory, i.e., something that's not been proven as all theories are. But most people miss that. They just, they forget that, no, it's a theory. But as we looked into it very deeply, we realized, yeah, that's all it is. It's a theory and it's an unproven theory. But of course, the whole of the medical establishment is based on that. The whole of the pharmaceutical companies are based on that, that germs make you ill and they provide a lotion or a potion um, that's going to kill those germs and uh, make you well again or well, they don't actually claim to make you well, but uh, to treat you, ameliorate, ameliorate the uh, symptoms. But of course, we looked into all of these drugs, all of which are, uh, of course, based on uh, uh, petrochemical products, you know, so they're not exactly uh, health inspiring to start with. And uh, as the pharmaceutical companies like to, well, they don't like to admit it, but I have to state it, that their products um, might have what they call side effects. 
And we, we hasten to tell people, no, don't let them get away with the same side effects. These are effects. <laughs> this is what they do to you, yeah. you know. Um, and some of the uh, these effects um, are quite horrendous. And if you look at some of the uh, inserts in the drugs that uh, people buy or get given, um, you know, these effects which are written on their uh, bits of paper are uh, the same as or worse than the, the, the actual illness you're supposed to have. Mm. Um, and you, you think, well, people ought to really read them if you, if you want to go down the line of taking these drugs uh, because they put you off, you know, surely you, <laughs> when, you, when you see what they are. And this goes for the whole range of stuff. Um, so, so can I ask you, what do you think disease actually is? Because I was under the impression throughout my years of training that disease was something that the body did for an unknown reason. It just became sick and it was usually out of our control. It was nothing that we did to, to make ourselves sick. It was nothing that we were exposed to in our environment. It was just this thing that happened to us. It was caused by our genetics. It was caused by an unknown thing or, or a germ or whatever it might be. And as I've sort of pulled back the layers on this topic now, I'm of the opinion that, and this might be completely wrong, um, but I think it's important for us to, to have an open and honest discussion in the name of science. But disease, in my opinion, is the body's healing mechanism. And we've mistaken it for something that's bad. So therefore, when we have these symptoms, it's our body telling us, hey, there's something wrong here. We're in the process of healing. Let us do our job. We take that as a sign of, oh, there's something going on. You better get rid of those symptoms. And all of a sudden, yeah. on the body's natural healing response. What do you think? Yes. Is that, am I on the right? Well, um, yes. I mean, that's really what we found, which is why we said, you know, everything you thought you, you knew about disease is wrong because we talked that there are hundreds, if not thousands of different diseases um, that can attack you and affect you, you know, you get infected or, um, and depending on the different symptoms that can be diagnosed as, um, you know, something with a particular label and um, sometimes you might need a, an extra test to determine exactly um, what the disease is. But that's not, as you say, that's not how the body works. And this was the big, big sort of surprise. Um, but at the same time, it, it's extremely um, empowering because it is something that is the, the result of the body's condition, the internal condition. And it is um, much more in our control. And so we can take responsibility. Um, and as we say, everything you put in and on your body will affect your health. So um, we no longer, well, we try not to refer to uh, disease because it's, it's a misnomer. It's, it's, um, it's a loaded term and people always think, you know, that it means a particular condition, um, but, but it isn't. I mean, there really is only um, sort of a, a symptom, well, sets of symptoms. I mean, we, we have various combinations of symptoms and uh, they arise for all sorts of different reasons, depending on the particular condition within the body, uh, the kind of toxin that, uh, that the body's trying to deal with. And again, another of the uh, assumptions of the medical establish establishment that is that uh, the body's totally incapable of looking after itself. That's why we have to you know, go to them because, well, you can't do anything about your own health. And so you have to come to us. And again, that's a complete inversion because um, whatever happens in the body, you have a lot more control. I mean, there are certain things that you might not be able to um, control the exposures in, in the environment, but you can certainly take a lot more control over things, um, as you said, that you put in and on your body. And the fewer toxins that you expose yourself to, the healthier you will be. So it is really a question of... Um, addressing those the causes of the symptoms or understanding what the symptoms are but it's certainly not uh, appropriate to take any kind of medication or substances when you have symptoms to suppress them because exactly as you say that's the body trying to actually heal itself and uh, most symptoms are the body's efforts to 
um, expel toxins, repair damage, and restore itself to health. I mean, the body is absolutely an amazing self-regulating, self-healing organism. You know, it's not a, and again, it's sort of an assumption that goes back to the sort of philosophy that, you know, we're just materialistic bits and pieces. And so the body's regarded as some kind of machine, but it, it certainly isn't. And that's why we're all different. Um, but instead of there being, if you like, one uh, cause for each so-called disease, uh, each person's condition will be, will be very different from uh, any, anybody else's. I mean, there may be similar, similar similarities, similar uh, causal factors, but they won't be exactly the same. And so it's not a question of, well, if it's not this virus, it must be this X, Y, Z. It, it's not. There are always combinations and different combinations. And so it's, it's much more complex, um, but it's not necessary to be uh, always looking for the cause, you know, because there's rarely ever one, except for extreme cases of, you know, severe um, poisoning and, you know, these kind of events, you know, like Bhopal or, or Cervezo or those kinds of things where people were seriously injured and, and many killed from, uh, you know, very, very high uh, toxic exposure. Mm. But uh, otherwise, you know, there are, there will be different factors. And again, depending on each person's diet and their um, environment, and we can yeah. go more into I that. Mean, we, in the book, I mean, we, we boiled it down over, and we do explain it, uh, we boiled uh, illness, we prefer to, as Donna said, to say illness rather than disease, because disease, people think you're, you're infected by something, and that's just not true. So we prefer to say illness, the, the body gets ill. <clears throat> um, and we, we found that there was four basic factors, which we can obviously talk about, that uh, was the result of illness of the body. Um, <clears throat> and uh, none of those are anything to do with germs of any sort at, at all. Or genes. <laughs> or, or genes, yes. Uh, as people are finding out, uh, you know, the uh, sort of things about genes, um, uh, geneticists, the sort of the whole methodology, shall we say, of uh, geneticists is uh, really as um, misguided, shall we say, as uh, virologists, you know. And again, we can talk about uh, that too, um, <clears throat> because none of them are... None of them are based on sound science, and uh, certainly in the case of virology, um, it's not based on any science at all. It's literally all based on assumptions. I mean, if you think about it, and this is particularly pertinent, of course, to viruses, uh, which is their mainstay, if you like. Um, if, you, if you think about it logically, uh, they take a sample of tissue or blood or whatever from a human body, uh, so they've immediately taken it out of its natural environment, so it's no longer in a living environment, and they put it in their Petri dish. Um, and they've also taken it away, um, because we always try to remind people, not only is the body uh, a chemical system, shall we say, it's also an electrical system. Yeah. So once you take a, a sample of something from someone and put it in your Petri dish, you've taken it completely away from its natural environment. Uh, both electrically and chemically and from a, a living thing it's no longer part of a living thing and then not content with that they sort of dice it slice it stain it and add all sorts of other cocktail ingredients to it before they put it under their electron microscope which if there was anything alive it would kill it anyway so and then they make all sorts of assumptions and presumptions about what they think it might be or what it might do or how the body will react so really, if you think about it, just logically, it's highly surprising that none of those assumptions are correct. But even by their own standards, there are certain procedures they should go through to be able to prove, or stick with viruses, that a virus is the cause of whatever disease they're attributing to it. And they should first, the first thing they should do is isolate the particle. We'll call it a particle, that's rather than a virus, because that, again, that's a misnomer. So the first thing they should do is to isolate it. Now, they don't even do that properly uh, because in their procedures, what they, call a, what they call isolation is not isolation at all. So they have a little procedure which they say, this is isolation, but it's not. It's still a cocktail of other bits and pieces. But what they should really do is actually isolate the particle, which they call in the virus, which is supposed to be the disease. So they should isolate it then they should fully categorize its genetic makeup. Um, and then 
they should be able to introduce that isolated particle into a living human, let's say, and that human being should then uh, get the disease that they're attributing to it. They then should be able to take a sample from that person if they become ill from their blood and be able to see that this virus has multiplied and is the cause of the illness. And they've never done any of those things. They've never even done the first stage properly, which is true isolation, to isolate the particle. So as the dictionary definition says, to isolate something is to separate it completely from all other things. And they don't do that. And they certainly don't do the other stages, even though that's all laid down in Cox postulates, which is what they're supposed to live by. Yeah. And they don't do it. So it's a completely fraudulent methodology. Uh, virology is a completely fraudulent method methodology. Uh, but of course, it's very pertinent to today's situation, today's world situation, because they have never done any of those things to this so-called coronavirus. So they, they have no idea what it is, what it does, uh, or prove that it does anything at all, which we maintain. They've never been able to prove any other viral particle does anything and this one's no different and we along with lots of other people around the world have challenged them to prove this you know uh, many people have written to their governments and health institutions and said where is your evidence that this so-called uh, coronavirus is the cause of uh, COVID-19 and in every single case and this is all the major countries around the world those health departments government departments have written back and said we don't have that information which beggars belief, doesn't it? You know, if they openly admit they don't have that information, but they carry on as if they did have it, yeah. uh, which shows that there's something else afoot. <laughs> it's certainly nothing to do with science, and it's certainly nothing to do with there being some deadly disease uh, rampaging around the world and making people ill. Well, uh, you, Dave, sorry. Dave, we're told that in the 21st century, we have all this amazing technology and, and we can treat you. We have the technology, we have the interventions to make you better. But I don't think that that's necessarily the truth. And we're told that we have never been healthier than we have in the past because we look back through history and there's all these things that have happened to people and, and cause millions of deaths around the world, but we don't have that now because of the modern technology and, and medical science. But I actually think the opposite might be true because I think we're the sickest we have ever been in the history of the human race. And I mean, all we have to do is look back to the early 1900s. There was no heart disease. There was no diabetes. There was very low rates of cancer um, Alzheimer's disease was unheard of, but now it's just, oh yeah, you've got Alzheimer's disease or you've got cardiovascular disease. It's like, it's just so common uh, that these diseases are occurring. So if we didn't have these things in the early 1900s, but we do now, what happens between then and now? Why are people coming down with all these chronic illnesses and, and even in acute infections? Uh, what's going on? You say, um, you know, that uh, we're supposed to be healthier than we've ever been. And, but one of the things that we discovered during our research were, uh, was that there are an awful lot of contradictions in what these different organisations put out. And um, so for the WHO, for example, um, you know, supposed to be in charge of the, uh, the public health for the entire world or just about every, every, every country in the world. And yet their, um, I believe their cancer fact sheet was saying that, uh, you know, they're predicting that the cancer rate is just going to keep going up. And yet you think, well, how can we be getting healthier if the cancer rate, I mean, it's, it's shown to have gone up and it's now uh, something like that every other person, you know, about one in two people. And, and yet the WHO is predicting things to keep getting worse. And yet, you know, as you rightly say, you know, if, if modern medicine worked, why aren't we all really, really healthy? And yet clearly uh, we're not. There's a great deal more um, disease. Uh, again, you know, looking at the statistics from the WHO fact sheets. Now, I mean, you have to maybe take their statistics with a pinch of salt possibly because, you know, it depends on what particular message they're trying to put out. Mm. But if they're trying to scare people, they'll, they'll put out these 
scary fact is, oh, it's going to get so much worse and it's going to ramp up. Um, but if they're trying to suggest that they're doing a good job, they'll say, oh, yes, well, we're succeeding in, in making things better and, and look at our look at our record. So uh, and again, that goes to what's going on at the moment with the um, uh, with the propaganda, you know, trying to get people scared that, you know, it really is running on fear. And certainly with um, uh, cancer statistics, it, it's run on fear. Um, but one of the reasons is, of course, to keep raising money for so-called cancer research to look for cures. But of course, because they don't understand cancer, they don't understand the human body. They don't understand that cancer is not something that attacks the body. It's something that develops. And in fact, um, I, I think most, uh, there's a report that will, um, something that's I can't remember from where, but saying that at some point, um, practically everybody develops some kind of cancer within their body, but the body actually deals with it. It's part of a process. But if you happen to have a particular, it be in a particular stage of that process and go to uh, a doctor, you might get a diagnosis that then puts you on a completely different path if you follow their treatments than uh, than would have happened if you'd let your body heal itself or you'd looked after yourself or made some changes and you know your body could have dealt or most probably would have dealt with it completely on its own so you know again um well this is again why why we say that they don't understand disease and they don't understand the human body that uh but, but just to just to come into sort of uh, illuminate your question a little more as to why these We've got different sets of chronic disease now, as you mentioned, uh, heart disease and diabetes and things like that. Uh, and there are a different set of diseases to what was in the 1800s, you know, when it was more to do with sort of typhoid and diphtheria and rickets, for instance. Um, so they had different things. But this uh, enormous growth in heart disease in particular and diabetes and that sort of thing is... It, is in its lifestyle and environment i mean we're subjected to as a human race far more environmental toxins than ever before you know they just didn't exist in the 1800s and prior to that um the radiation levels you know i mean one of the four factors that we talk about in our book for causing illness is uh, electromagnetic frequencies you know again as i mentioned earlier you know the body has an electrical system and this is affected by external electromagnetic frequencies um but it so we've we've got this huge uh, increase in uh, electrical energy around us which is affecting our bodies and we've got this huge increase in environmental toxins um whether it's in our water i mean they, they put all sorts of stuff into our water supposedly to kill the germs you know but uh, chlorine and fluoride and ammonia and all these other things that they put in the water you know these are all toxins you know, so it's very important for people to make sure their water is clean. Otherwise, you're slowly poisoning yourself every day. In the food we eat, um, you know, a lot of people have uh, a fair amount of processed food. And of course, there's lots of toxic materials in them. Even the soft drinks, you've got aspartame. I mean, we, we list all these things in our book to give people, as we've often said, it's not to scare people. It's just to make people aware of the various ways that uh, toxic materials get into their body um, and so we make various recommendations about uh, uh, going for an organic plant-based diet uh, and the reasons we say organic is not some fad thing it's it's just that to try and ensure as much as you can that your food is grown in a healthy environment that it's not sprayed with various pesticides and herbicides that it's not grown in chemical fertilizers that the soil is healthy uh, so that the plants can grow in a healthy environment, take up the natural vitamins and minerals, which you then eat, mm. because otherwise uh, you're not you're not getting the correct nutrition. And nu nutrition is one of the again one of the four factors we talk about. Lack of nutrition is extremely important. You know, uh, if the body doesn't get the right level of nutrition, it doesn't work properly. So it can't detoxify itself if it's required to. Um, and so it just gets worse and then all sorts of more chronic illnesses develop, um, which can be cancers, which can be diabetes and all of these other things. So, um, yeah, so it, so one is we get a much different range of illnesses now, all brought on by lifestyle and uh, environment. 
uh, but all of, many of which we can control as human beings. Once we know where they're coming from, yeah. we can make informed choices. And uh, then, because the natural thing is, is to live naturally and healthily. That's the natural way for the human body. It's not natural to get ill. And if you do, then it's, uh, as Don said earlier, don't suppress the symptoms. That's your body doing the right thing. Um, so don't take more pharmaceutical products to try and suppress them uh, because you're just adding to the toxic uh, overload that your body's trying to eliminate. Um, well, David, here, we often, sorry to interrupt yeah. you um, just on that point. I've always found this really interesting that um, from a, a naturopathic or a natural medicine perspective, we're very focused on identifying and treating the cause of the problem. So they tell us that the cause of heart disease is a bad diet and a bad lifestyle. But to treat heart disease, you can't fix it by cleaning up your diet and cleaning up your lifestyle. It's got to be from a pharmaceutical intervention. And they mm -hmm. laugh and scoff when you say, well, why don't you change your diet? Why don't you eat better food? Oh, that's not going to do anything. So on one hand, they're telling us it's the cause of the problem, eating all the rubbish food. But then on the other hand, if you eat good food, it's not going to be the thing that will undo the damage, which I find perplexing. As we found, uh, you know, people often ask us, say, well, you know, doctors are trained to this. Surely they know better than you. That's really what they're saying. Surely they know better than you uh, how uh, the body works and how to look after it. And uh, as I say, we found that was not true. And we've talked to many doctors and we talk to them about their training, you know, when they're training, go through medical school. Um, and they, the honest ones, uh, openly admit that, uh, you know, they're not, they're sort of taught by rote, really. You know, if you can imagine the situation where they're taught, well, this germ, this bacteria causes that disease, this virus causes that disease, and this is the medication you should give. Um, and it's really based on that. They're not allowed to do research themselves. They're not allowed to ask the question, well, how do you know that virus causes that disease? Where, where's the scientific papers to prove the methodology? Um, and so on. They're not allowed to ask those questions, not if they want to stay on the course and pass their exam. And of course, when it comes to answering the questions, they've got to feed back the information they've been taught. So it's a self-fulfilling exercise, really. And of course, as they come out of medical school and talking to the doctors, of course, they've accumulated quite big debts while they've been training. Um, so they need to be able to get into a job and keep it. So they can't then go against the grain because they're soon jumped on uh, by the medical establishment if they start to ask questions when they finish their training and start questioning about disease and the real causes of it. So they, uh, it's the, as I often call it, the golden hand, uh, handcuffs. You know, they've, They've got to keep earning the good money to pay off the debts and to maintain the lifestyle that they soon become accustomed to. So they have to turn a blind eye to what the real causes are. Um, and we have noticed of late, it's worth mentioning this because I've said a few times now that there are no scientific papers that uh, back up uh, this, uh, well, lack of science, shall we say. And within the last month or two, a few papers have been circulated or supposedly on the internet, which have purported to have uh, been published in uh, the journal Nature, <coughs> which is a, supposedly the most prestigious science magazine in the world. And uh, <coughs> sure enough, there were some papers which claimed to have uh, sort of uh, isolated the virus for COVID and uh, fully categorized it and uh, proved that it causes the disease. So you think, oh, this was interesting. No one else has ever been able to do this. Let's have a look. And we did have a look. And so did uh, some other doctors, uh, like uh, Dr. Andy Kaufman, who you may have heard of, Dr. Tom Cowan. You know, they've, they've looked at these papers too. Cut a long story short, uh, because Dr. Andy Kaufman did a, a particularly good piece on it, uh, which I think is either on his site or on the... Uh, but just to... I think it's worth mentioning, because... Um, one of these papers, which purported to have done all these things, in the abstract, which is a sort of little paragraph or two right at the beginning of the paper, says exactly that, that they've done all these things. Now, most people, and this includes doctors, only ever read that abstract, you know, the first paragraph or two. They don't read the whole scientific paper. 
So, you know, they just go, oh, yes, so, okay, they've isolated it, they've fully categorized it, yes, they've proved it causes the disease, job done, and they move on. But if you read the full methodology of that paper, you then soon realize that they've done no such thing. And even more surprisingly, by the time we get to the end of the paper, the people who've written that paper actually admit they haven't done any such thing. They admit that they've not fully isolated the virus. They admit that they've not fully genetically categorized it. They admit that they have not proved that it causes the disease. So complete contradiction to what they say in the abstract. Now, to me, that's not only a lie, but it's absolute fraud. And I believe it shows the desperation that the authorities have come to, to even in a prestigious magazine like uh, Nature, to tell such blatant lies in the hope that they're going to convince the public who don't bother shall we say to read the details and even doctors who don't bother to read the details they're fooled by it and and then argue with people like us or dr kaufman to say oh i've seen the papers that you know we've seen that there are these papers and you say well please read the papers yourself properly and you realize it's a complete lie um so i just put that out there for people so you know do be wary of uh, some of the information that get put gets put out even by supposedly authoritative organizations like uh, the journal nature um rest assured that many doctors as well as ourselves have truly looked for these papers and they don't exist and as i try to remind people they should be easy to find yeah. because if someone genuinely has discovered a new virus uh, or the cause of a disease you know they want people to know they want to have their light their names put up in lights you know because it means big money for them lots of fame and prestige and better jobs you know they want you to know so it should be easy to find these papers and that you can't because they're just not there so that should be a big red flag to people and this is what i found particularly interesting because at the start of all of this when i because i've only really looked into this probably in the last 10 or 12 months and i'm pretty good at finding research i looked high and low I've read hundreds, I would say probably close to, if not more than a thousand papers over the last 12 months, trying to find the evidence that there is such a phenomenon as contagion and, and germs and viruses do make us sick. And what I found was that a lot of the good science and the good studies were done in the early 1900s, where they actually did try to prove contagion in a method that I would consider to be relatively scientific. They did controlled trials where they exposed healthy people to sick people. Um, and they also did, uh, I found a paper where they did um, a saline as a control and they gave people exposure to uh, nasal secretions and, and various other bodily secretions of sick people. And um, more people got sick when they were injected with saline than the people who were injected with the mucus from so-called infected people. And that was uh, with diseases like influenza. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it's not just influenza. Maybe what if I look at chickenpox and I found the same thing? I thought, okay, well, what about if I look at measles? Oh, the same thing. They're exposing all these people to these conditions and no one's getting sick. But we do observe something where someone will get sick and then all of a sudden there'll be hundreds of people around them getting sick. And we equate that to the spread of a contagion. But there's other things that could be causing that, right? Yeah. So we often get things be? we often get asked about this, you know, uh, they, whether it's chicken pox or measles or, or whatever with uh, people's children going to a party, for instance, you know, uh, deliberately trying to, for them all, the small children to get measles, let's say, or something like that, um, because they think that in later life they'll they'll have immunity to it then. Um, and because two or three or more children get it, <laughs> they assume that was it. So that proves infection or contagion, whichever they want to, whichever way they want to go. But of course, it doesn't. It doesn't prove anything. Um, it proves that several more children got sick, but what is the reason? Um, and that can be many. I mean, for instance, you know, when you get children of a certain age, uh, um, well, let's start with one of the factors. 
children of a certain age, as we know, children right from almost birth uh, start to go through uh, a raft of uh, vaccinations, okay? Um, and they get quite a lot. And in some countries like America, there's loads. They, they get dozens of uh, vaccinations, all of which are toxic materials. So you're then going to get children of a certain age starting to detox roughly around the same time because they've all had their vaccinations at the same time. So they can come down with what then gets labelled as childhood illnesses. But what it is, is the children's bodies trying to get rid of all the toxins that have been bumped into them through vaccinations. So that's one reason. But people think it's a childhood illness and all children get it when they've been in contact with one another, not realising what the actual underlying cause is. And that could be one of them. Another is at the parties, you know, that children go to, you know, um, where they're all excited. So uh, all the metabolisms are speeded up. And of course, they're eating uh, all sorts of probably jellies and sugary foods, cakes and drinks, um, all of which are toxic to the body. And so it's hardly surprising that the body then wants to go through a detox and get rid of all this sugar and colorings and all the other rubbish that uh, kids enjoy so much when they're at a party. Uh, so again, another reason why uh, they may suddenly all start to detox the children that have been at that party. So there can be many reasons. It may be environmental. You know, it may have been the water they drink. It could have been they're exposed to high levels of electromagnetic frequencies in that particular area. There can be many reasons. But what we ask people to consider is that the one reason that it won't be, and that's germs, because that we can quite categorically say there is no scientific evidence that a germ can cause those illnesses. Um, so if you take that away from the equation, then you've got to say, OK, so the kids got ill, but there's going to be more plausible reasons for it. It's not germs because that cannot be scientifically proved. All of the other reasons of which I've just been talking about can be scientifically proved to cause those illnesses, particularly skin eruptions. You know, the, the skin is the body's largest organ. And so it very often uses that to get toxins out. So this can come out as blisters and rashes and uh, and that sort of thing, sores. Uh, we often get asked about this in uh, with sexually transmitted diseases because that's quite a popular one people ask about or what's, what are all these uh, blisters that come up, you know, particularly in the genital area. And there's, there's good reasons for this. You know, again, uh, it's nothing to do with germs. Um, again, it's never been scientifically proved that there is any such thing as a sexually transmitted disease. Uh, the body gets rid of toxins uh, and, and it can come out in any point on the skin. And we can, if you think about it, because sweat is another way that uh, toxins get pushed out through the skin and uh, the genital area can be a particularly warm <laughs> and moist area, shall we say. Uh, so it might be a particularly good area for getting rid of toxins. You know, it's nothing to do with the sexual act. Um, Unless, of course, um, within uh, that sexual act, people have used certain spermicides, let's say, which may be toxic to the body and uh, of particular irritants in, in the genital area. So, again, there are all sorts of reasons why these things may occur, but none of them have been scientifically proved to be caused by the germ. Mm. And that's what people need to think about. Well, if it's not that, we know you're getting ill and sometimes seriously, but there is some other reason for it. And we, through our research over the 10 years, looked at all of these things, uh, not only in human beings, but we looked at it in animals too, to say, well, does, does the same thing hold true if uh, animals get ill? Um, it, can we find out what it is that's made them ill? And uh, one which we discuss in the book, but one particular case, I'll mention it now because it was very peculiar to the, uh, to the UK. And that was what became known as mad cow disease. Uh, BSE is the, um, you know, which was the government said was a disease that, uh, that all the cattle were catching and uh, they were slaughtering thousands and thousands of herds uh, around the UK. So we investigated that and again, kind of long story short, um, we found it was nothing to do with germs at all. It was to do with what the ministry was asking the farmers to do is to dip their cattle in a, what we found out to be an organophosphate, which is a neurotoxin. But why it was so bad in the UK is the ministry, uh, the strength that the ministry were asking them to do was something like four times as strong as anywhere else in the world. So extremely toxic, soaking through the skin into the nervous system of the cows, 
and poisoning them so that they were losing control of their limbs and apparently looking like they were going mad. Uh, nothing to do with germs, but um, so that that's what we found. But of course, the ministry wasn't going to admit that after they'd had farmers kill thousands of herds of uh, cattle. It was a great tragedy in the UK, um, and so on. So we, we found it was exactly the same for uh, illness in animals as for humans. We could never ever find a scientific cause for a germ, but we could always find um, various poisonings of one sort or another either deliberately put down, such as myxomatosis for rabbits, or inadvertently where people have come into contact with these poisons, um, either through what they've been eating, drinking, uh, touching household products, even clothes that people wear. They can be plasticizers and dyes in the clothes you wear, which uh, when your body sweats, they um, ingress into your blood system and can make you ill. So all sorts of different pathways that toxins get into your body. Um, One of the things, uh, going back to your question about uh, the different illnesses of the 1800s, um, I know the, uh, the uh, medical industry are quite happy to or positively kind of keep putting out the idea that it was their vaccines that, um, you know, really um, helped these illnesses sort of go away. Um, but what happened... Was David and Dawn, I seem to have lost you. I think maybe your internet connection might have dropped out. Okay, are we back? Yes, you're back. I think you just dropped out there for a minute. That's okay. We we get this sometimes uh, that we find that as we start to get more controversial, uh, things, things like this happen and we just suddenly get cut off. So it's no longer a surprise to us because we always check out the Wi-Fi connection. There's nothing wrong with them. But uh, these mysterious things happen more and more of late. I'm sure people are aware of how much more censorship there is now. You know, you can't say anything about anything publicly without it getting chopped down. Oh, I said the magic V word, didn't I? I said vaccines, didn't I? Oops, no, maybe shouldn't have done that. <laughs> anyway, we'll keep going. Uh, so if it happens again, we'll, we'll reconnect. But um, we, we found a way to get around this, but it just takes a minute or so to get back on to speak to you. So bear with us on that. Yeah. So, okay. um, yeah, Dawn, you were saying about the 1800s. Um, oh, I don't know where it cut out. It was really to say that uh, the um, uh, illnesses or various illnesses that were, were more rife in the early 1800s, um, they claim to have been um, improved because of vaccination. But in fact, if you look at the real history, you, you can see that it was the uh, sanitation measures that were introduced um, you know, cleaning up the streets because people, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, sort of lived basically, well, the poor areas lived in their own filth, really. You know, they didn't have uh, indoor sanitation and uh, they sort of often lived with animals around them and so there were animal um, waste products. And so um, it, it really, they their diets weren't particularly healthy. They, they didn't have lots of fresh foods. Or clean uh, again, water. Or clean, well, certainly the water was polluted very polluted so when the measures were introduced to clean those things up then that's when certain of those kinds of diseases um tended to dissipate and of course then vaccines were brought in at very late stages of those uh, decline in the incidence of those diseases and of course the medical system said look look what we've done isn't it aren't we wonderful um, but if you go back far enough you'll see that they were all well in decline before that and it, it just again emphasizes the point that um the environment and the um the conditions that people live in and their diet uh, have a you know a, an incredible yeah. impact on on the health on the condition within their own body so um, if you clean you know if you have a clean environment clean diet as much as you can you know if you try and avoid um you can't avoid all of them but if you minimize your exposures then you're going to really help your body to be as healthy as healthy as it can be. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect anyway, because the body is capable of um, detoxing. I mean, it does that all the time. And so it will, it will self-regulate and it will self-heal. Um, but, you know, if you, um, if you keep it as clean as possible, then it will be able to be as efficient as possible. But I just want to 
emphasize there because people get confused a little when he's talked about the insanitary conditions that people lived in in the 1800s, 1700s. It's the fact that they got ill is not to do with germs because people often think, oh, well, if they're living in their own filth, um, it's germs that's making them ill. No, it's not. It's what people don't realize is that when human or animal waste products, um, excrement we're talking, um, is breaking down, through natural processes with bacteria, which are cleanup agents, um, as stuff breaks down into its component parts, some of those component parts are toxic. And it's the toxicity of that uh, degrading material that is what makes people ill. It's not the germs. Uh, the bacteria in particular, uh, as I say, are cleanup agents out there in the environment. You see it in the forest breaking trees down. Uh, but uh, that's their job in the human body. You know, we have millions, trillions of bacteria in the human body both in it and on it and that's part of their job is to is to clean up dead and dying tissue within the body otherwise we'd die without them we'd die um, so they, they're extremely important and we explain all this uh, in our book um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm, I don't know how we're going for time I know we've been going for a, an hour already so yes, um, okay. um, if you've got another say 10 or 15 minutes there's another thing I'd like sure. to ask with you and that's around a solution and uh, where do you actually see healthcare heading in the future? So firstly, um, how do we move forward from this glut that we seem to be in with the health system, not just in the UK and Australia, but worldwide. And then where do you see the healthcare system heading in the future? Okay, well, I mean, and that that was the main purpose originally of why we wrote the book is so that people could see the way forward because this, as I said, the coronavirus thing wasn't on the menu at that time. So, um, and the, I'll just briefly mention the four factors, which is what we found were the cause of uh, illness. Um, and they are, as we've already mentioned, about lack of nutrition. So correct nutrition is one of the four factors. Uh, toxic overload is to so avoid toxins as much as you can, which we mention all the different pathways they can get into your body. Electromagnetic frequencies, more difficult, but there are things you can do. You know, don't have uh, electrical equipment in your bedroom when you go to sleep. You know, don't have your mobile phone in there or, or worse still under your pillow, which some people do. Uh, do not have them in your room at all. If you can switch your, your modem off, your router off for your Wi-Fi, if you can, switch it off when you're not using it. If you've got cordless telephones, as I found in my house, you know, the base stations of cordless telephones emit very high levels of electromagnetic frequencies. So I check them out. <laughs> just, uh, you know, have a wired, a wired phone if you need one or just use your mobile, but always use it hands-free. Don't put it next to your head. So there's all sorts of little things you can do to uh, mitigate your exposure you can't get rid of it all unfortunately and then finally it's uh, the fourth factor was uh, prolonged emotional stress uh, which of course stress is a natural part of life but when it's prolonged consistent and at high level then it's very detrimental to the body uh, all sorts of processes start to break down which again we explain in the book and of course everyone's been put under quite a lot of emotional stress um, with this present coronavirus nonsense, um, uh, particularly if they believe in it, if they believe there's this deadly virus out there that's going to get them, then you know they're going to be scared constantly. And of course, that's uh, a very high level of stress for people to live under, so much so that, um, as you probably know, the suicide rates around the world have gone up, particularly in the UK and America. We were told by some doctors there that in America it's gone up by 30%, which is horrendous, isn't it? suicide rates yeah and that this is brought about by stress what else can it be why it's gone up it's because it's only during this coronavirus period so it's having very detrimental effects emotionally on people so it's a combination of those four factors uh, that uh, we found were the cause of all the illness that uh, avails humanity and animals and um the way forward, of course, is for people to take back control of their health. You know, look at the, you know, the natural way for the body is to be healthy. That's its natural state. 
and it can maintain it. It's amazing what it can do. But you do have to help it. <laughs> you know, um, we often say that there's only the body that can heal itself, and you can either help it or hinder it. Yeah. And for the most part, particularly if you use pharmaceutical products, you're hindering it. The body's trying its best to get back to health, and you're poisoning it. You know, there is nothing healthy about pharmaceutical products. Uh, they're all petrochemical based, and uh, they're not they're not going to make you well. So <clears throat> go the healthy route, and your body will get better. And eat correctly. Uh, we do recommend plant based organic diet. We found it to be the healthiest way. Not for everyone, we know, but as much as you can, eat fresh fresh food, fresh organic food, um, and you'll be the better for it. And uh, everyone we've talked to that has done these things, and this includes us, um, have had a much healthier life. You know, you don't get ill. You don't even have things that people call colds. You know, the common cold is just a detox. The, the body's not been able to get it rid of the toxins in the normal way, so it's pulled in the mucous membranes uh, to help it get rid of the toxins. Hence, you get the runny nose, coughs, chestiness, uh, cold symptoms. But uh, don't try and suppress them with uh, medication. You know, <clears throat> rest, drink clean water. We do emphasize clean water. Rest, and your body will get over it much quicker. And uh, then try and have a think about what it is you may have uh, added to your body that's uh, sort of uh, raised your level of toxicity. Mm. So all simple stuff, natural stuff, it's not expensive, it's not complicated, and it does work. Uh, so uh, One of the problems, of course, is that people get into certain habits um, that they like, you know, and they are reluctant to give them up, shall we say. And uh, so it's so much easier to just, you know, or if you don't feel very well, then, you know, just go and have a pill. But those pills don't actually change your health at all. And the only way is to really address the causes and to really look at everything, as you know, we said before, everything you put in and on your body. And again, you know, that includes all your personal care products, the cleaning products you use in the house. Um, you know, you have to go back to label reading and decide um, whether you can find uh, less toxic or even non-toxic alternatives. And there certainly are plenty of um, non-toxic uh, alternatives um, on the market. You know, it's, it's a, a growing market. People are, are definitely aware that uh, there's a, there's a, a growing uh, demand for cleaner products for, sorry, the pun sort of cleaner cleaning products, but yes, you know, less toxic products. There are also, you know, some natural things you can use anyway. You know, I sort of, you know, you can kind of wipe a surface with a lemon, you know, you can kind of get the grease off that way. So there are lots of other things you can do. We need to, uh, people need to start thinking about what they're doing uh, a little bit more and to really, uh, look at look at the alternatives that they can use and to start making the changes it's not a question of saying oh you've got to change it all overnight but you know people have to start making a change but only they can make the change the changes they need so that they can help themselves so a, a kind of a way forward for a health system would be one that encourages people to look at their diet and lifestyle look at the um their exposures to all these sort of harmful uh, substances and influences including emfs and to help people find um, different ways of um, living without the stress and certainly the what's going on at the moment is is really ramping up fear and that's certainly adding to stress um, so oh, one of the reasons that we we're uh, sort of putting the information out is to help people get rid of that fear because there is no virus that is out there going to attack them and make them ill. So that immediately takes away one huge um, element of, of the problem of within the stress, but they do have to then look at their own lifestyles. And so the, the way forward is really, to, I, as I said, to really find ways of helping people help themselves. But which, I, is what but, our, which is what our book's about. And that's why it's, that's why it's so big. <laughs> It's quite, it is a big book. It is. Um, it's, uh, but uh, I, I know people in Australia have difficulty getting it. I guess it's because of the postage and weight. Yeah. Um, but they can get the Kindle version, which is, I think, only about $10. It's got all the same information, and it's, it, it's very useful to search it because you can 
search by keywords and find things. Uh, so it is very useful. Some people like to have both. <laughs> yeah. um, so we would recommend it. We've gone to a lot of trouble to write it in a way that's easily accessible to people. We've tried to minimize the jargon as much as possible. So it's, uh, it takes you step by step all the way through to explain our journey of finding out uh, what really makes you ill and why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. People can find out some more information about us and about our book on our website at uh, whatreallymakesyouill.com. We've got uh, videos like this one will be put up there and uh, various articles that we put up there. And there's a, a look inside our book where they can have a look inside it and uh, see what's in it and uh, read a few bits and pieces and hopefully encourage them to get it. I would like to just finish with it. It's one of our favorite quotes, which is on the back of our book, which uh, I'd like to give people to take away. It's a nice quote from Voltaire, that uh, 17th century, 16th, 18th century philosopher, where he said, doctors are men who prescribe medicines of which they know little to cure diseases of which they know less in human beings of whom they know nothing. And I think that's uh, as, as true today as it was when Voltaire wrote it, uh, a wise man. So it's time really for medicine to start understanding the human body properly. And what really makes you ill. <laughs> so I'll probably leave it there. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that wonderful information. I really appreciate all the work that you've done. And I'm going to try and get this information out to as many people as possible. I'll put links to your website and the um, Amazon website as well. Uh, in the show notes so people can get access to that and let's just keep trying to do the best that we can and, and spread the truth and get this information out to people once they realize that they are the only thing that's going to be able to heal themselves and that they can heal themselves by doing some of the things that you've recommended um, they're going to get their power back and they're going to start to regain their health so thank you very much i really really appreciate your time not Thank at all. You. Thank you. Pleasure to speak to you. Pleasure. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.